ask you a question, you answered it back in the prayer room, and I asked you again when you came out here, it's because I've been up since 3.30 this morning. And um, I, I got, my wife told me, she said, whisper in my ear just a moment ago, but which, by the way, I think she, they took Dale Earwood to the hospital, so let's be praying about that, if you would. And, um, but, um, so I went to the prayer room, and I said that, and said that to uh, Brother Kramer standing there, and he said, so you've been up since uh, 3.30, huh? And I said, yes. He said, East, Eastern time? And I said, yeah, and it dawned on me that's 2.30, so let's just back on up. So he said, really, in essence, you haven't been to bed. <laughs> uh, I guess you're right. So I got a little happy nappy. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, your Bible. And I'm going to teach from down here. If you're a guest tonight, I don't do this. Matter of fact, I'm very uncomfortable. When I come out the door, my wife asked me, she asked me a couple things. Every time I go out the door, do you have your keys? And, and on Wednesdays and Sundays, she says, do you have your notes? Because I've been known to leave my notes up in my place of prayer and study. And, and, uh, and I said, uh, I don't have any notes. She stopped. She said, I thought she was going to say, I'm not going tonight then. <laughs> <laughs> But I said, my notes are on this board up here. So uh, anyway, I have the benefit of being able to see what's up here. Some of you can't. And so what we're going to try to do, Lord willing, they're trying to get warmed up up there, is in just a moment, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna actually try to put some of this, what I'm showing you here on the screen and blow it up some so you're able to see that. So we're going to do the best we can. I'm fully aware that you can't see this. It is copyrighted. And uh, by the way, it should be. Uh, this is the work of Dr. Bob Heal and was with us this past Sunday. Uh, he went to Tennessee Temple years ago and sat under, uh, he sat under a Dr. Porter, uh, Brother, Brother Lackey, Bruce, Bruce Lackey, Brother Scallions, you remember some of those names down there, old, old school guys? And so I'm happy and thankful that uh, we're able to have this. And uh, I'll give you, and I can remember, uh, a way that you can actually go online and buy these. This is probably one of the most concise ones uh, there's some much, uh, Clarence Larkin wrote the big old book. He was an architect, theologian. If you can figure that one out, you come and tell me, okay? And thank you, Mr. Kramer. I appreciate that. Um, you're looking out for me. I feel like an old man. <laughs> I'm not as old as I act tonight, but uh, you'll forgive me. We did have a good time up there. We had 38 preachers from the Northeast, and uh, Brother Tim Rabin came up out of Raleigh and preached with me. We had, that, we had a time now. And you say, well, who are they? You probably don't know any of them. They pastor small churches, and, um, but they're, they're vibrant churches, exciting places. They're taking their stand for God, and we're thankful. Brother Kurt LeBeau and Dale were there, and they, uh, he sang for us. And so I scheduled him in September, so we're going to get him back in here sometime. Which, by the way, reminds me, as soon as I walked into church and sat down, there was a lady there. She looked at me. She said, she said, uh, uh, is Justin Pearson still singing down at your church? I said, yeah. I said, he sure is. She said, little Justin, she said, he just would sing all the time. He has a beautiful voice. I said, he still does. <laughs> and she said, uh, well, anyway, I won't tell you everything else she said. But, <laughs> uh, but anyhow. Now, what we, we've been in si the, the idea of signs of the times. I have no idea if this was part eight, part nine, but I was ready to move on because honestly, you just go on and on and on. Uh, some of you uh, in our church, you come and tell me of uh, development. Some of you were in intelligence years ago and different things. Some of you are in computers. And I had one of our men tell me today of something that, that just came out today or this past week. And so this is coming at us so fast, but lets us know that we're, we're that close to the Lord coming back. Uh, some say, uh, well... Uh, are, are you pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, pan-trib, it's all going to pan out? What are you? 
and we're mid, we're mid trip. We're, <clears throat> we're pre trib, pre tribulation, and because that's what the Bible teaches. And uh, so when you look at this chart, that's what you're going to find. We believe that the Lord's going to come back and catch us away in the rapture. And uh, there are some that believe mid trib and post trib. One of our fellows was putting this thing up today. He said, Well, way I've got it figured out, he said, uh, if no man knows the day or the hour, then that's kind of cheating if you're mid-trib and post-trib because then you will kind of know. Because a mid-trib guy knows if the, if the Antichrist, if Antichrist uh, is revealed and he's the one that, that sets up the treaty of Israel, and they all believe that, post-trib, pre-trib, mid-trib, they all believe that, then boom, that sets the wheels in action. So if you know anything about Daniel's 70 weeks, then you'll know that you've got the three and a half years, so there you are, you're cheating. We don't know the day or the hour, but now you say, well, well, three and a half years he'll be here, so you've got time to get ready. Eh, wrong answer. It doesn't work like that. And the, and the post-trib, they, they, you know, they got seven years. So I know some of you are out thinking me on that, but we are pre-tribulational rapture believers. And uh, I better stop there. Let's look at these verses right here. <clears throat> Let's begin reading in verse 24 of Colossians chapter 1. Paul tells his church, he says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is a church. And, and I'm not preaching this tonight, but what a comforting verse that is. Paul was saying, I'm not filling up the atoning sufferings of Christ because only Christ could atone for our, us on the cross. But he said, Christ isn't here. And so the suffering or the persecution or the hurt that I received is not, it may be directed to me, but I, I pass it on to Christ because who the world is really picking on is the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this, where have I made, uh, made a minister according unto the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. And that phrase dispensation is talking about a period of time that he is living in. And that would be for us, the age of grace. And that is a period of time that he is living in. You ought to thank God that Paul lived during that time because he was able to give us a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight. He and the apostle John and so forth. And so they wrote about that. And all that was written for us to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from the ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, by the way, that's us, which is Christ in you. Look at this phrase, the hope of glory. The phrase, the hope of glory, is speaking about the return of Christ, the glorification of Christ, the glorification of our bodies, and seeing Christ face to face someday. And our great hope, our blessed hope, is that we're going to see Jesus face to face. How many of y'all believe that? Amen. So what he's saying is this. He said, there, is, there, there are things that were in the scriptures, a mystery to many, Daniel and others, Ezekiel, Isaiah. They wrote about them. They didn't understand all of it, but they wrote about them by inspiration. Now, I say they didn't understand. They may have had a whole lot more illumination than I would have ever, I would have ever known. But God <clears throat> dropped Paul into the church as a gift to us for many reasons, but one thing is to teach us about the rapture. You and I would never been able to pull all this together without the writings of the apostle as he wrote it in by inspiration about what I'm getting ready to show you on this timeline. And so I'm going to dive right into it. I don't think I'll be long. Uh, I'm not going to take you down and drown you 
because I can drown myself as well along with you. So if you're on this side, hopefully you'll be able to see it up here on the screen. We're going to start on this side. If y'all can kind of follow me around, uh, follow the little green light. We're going to start right here with eternity past. And here actually is the baseline we're going to follow from Abraham to Noah, Noah to Abraham, Abraham to Christ. Can you move now? Can you move that camera? And then uh, the age of grace, this is where we're living right now. The tribulation period, we've been talking about that. Let me stop right there and say that right here, we'll come back to this. This is, this is just a review or a, a summary overview. We have the rapture here to meet the Lord in the air. What we've been talking about here in this age of grace, uh, the things that we're seeing right now through technology, uh, nuclear ability, uptick in earthquakes, all those things we've been talking about the last eight or nine weeks, that is all going on right here. And as Matthew 24, I want to always remind you, caution you, as you read Matthew 24, Jesus is speaking to his Jewish followers there, though he, he includes us, but he's talking about the tribulation period there because the tribulation period you're going to see in just a moment is for the Jews. And so although there are allusions there to the rapture, that was for them. And I've told you this just about every time uh, that I've been speaking, that if as we see the signs of the times that are appearing here in the tribulation period, as we're seeing these fulfilled, or in other words, coming to pass or coming into being here, that means we're that much closer to here. Okay? I hope you follow me in that. Uh, the return of Christ is imminent. We do not know the day or the hour. But as the labor pains or the sorrows of, of, of birth get closer and closer and closer, and I've always said this, the, the rapidness uh, and how quickly this is moving right now has to do with those labor pains. are getting closer and closer and closer, and soon, boom, we're going to be gone right here. So in the tribulation period there, here's the rest of the overview. The millennial kingdom here. Satan is loose for a little season, and we're going to go all the way over here to eternity future, the new heaven, the new earth, and all that, the great white throne, the lake of fire down here. There is a baseline that follows this, uh, which talks about uh, folks dying and so forth, and, and we'll kind of come back and pick up some of these. I want you to just pay real close attention. So if we, if we can you all on this side right here, Brother Bobby, can you see it on the screen then as I work my way through? Let's start right here with eternity past, eternity past. I understand we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In the, in the past, they never had a beginning and they never had an ending. That is so hard for us to get in our finite minds that we, you know, a lot of people say, well, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Jesus was in Genesis chapter 1. Let us make man in our own image. So we think about eternity past, that's infinity. And so there's nothing... Uh, there's no start there, but we do have a start of mankind at creation. This is all Colossians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, in God's eternal purpose. That's why I read that. So we have eternity past. We have eternity future. We're going to head toward that. This is the Bible timeline. Uh, and so let's start right here with creation and uh, the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 1 right here. So God is making the world in six days on the seventh day he rested. I'm not going to go into this, but I like what Dr. Hill did. Uh, he did uh, day one, light. Day two, firmament, firmament established. Day three, earth appears. Day four, heavens adorned. Day five, waters filled. Day six, man created to rule. 
day seven of the Sabbath. He took these and he attached these to dispensations. You see those lines running down through there? Tribulation period, kingdom age right here, and, and eternity rest. I'm going to go ahead and discuss this right here while I'm talking about it. And uh, uh, I won't mention all of these. Let me just talk about number one, day, light, conscious. How many understand that light reveals? Light shows truth. So God never made man in his image for him to flounder. Adam was given everything he needed, not just to survive physically, but to survive spiritually, and he sinned and he blew it. So you got this enlightenment that has occurred. And so this, in other words, is conscious. In other words, mankind, no matter how pagan they are, even in Suriname, they have an idea that there is a higher being. And that's why he talked about all the gods that they worship over there. Every nation's like that. And so there is a conscious awareness of, in every human being, a void that can only feel, be filled by Jesus Christ. Really what makes America so great, he touched on this just a little bit, is, is even though America is becoming more pagan, a more post-Christian, uh, uh, we're living in a post-Christian era. We're not moving there. We're there. But there's still the residual effect of the gospel because there's still so many Christians here. That's what makes America such a wonderful nation. And so, uh, but, but I'm, I'm not going to go through all these, but I thought this was pretty neat right here. Let's follow the line, if we could, with the camera. Day six, man was created to rule kingdom age all the way over the millennial kingdom. And let's go back. Let's look at day seven, the Sabbath rest, eternity rest, all the way over to the new heaven and new earth. We could talk about all these, but let me just make a point about these, and we'll go back into the timeline. Did you know that God made man to have dominion over the earth? You go back in Genesis, read that. We were in charge of them. By the way, we're still, we still think we're in charge, but God's in control, and Satan's the prince of the power of the air. He messes everything up. But there's going to come a day in the kingdom age where you and I are going to rule and reign with Christ in the millennial period. A thousand years. There's a lot more purpose in that, but one of the things you and I are going to enjoy, we're going to step back and say, finally, somebody gets it right. Because Jesus is king and he rules and reigns with a rod of iron. What a wonderful time that's going to be. You say, well, everybody there, everybody there is going to be in submission to Christ because everybody there is saved. No, no, no. I'll show you in just a moment. There's folks get saved in the tribulation period. There'll be folks get saved in that millennial period. And there is a tamping down of, uh, of the Christ, or Christ still has to defeat Satan. That's going to be way over here. I'll get that in just a moment. I'm getting ahead of myself. So, but even, even again, this timeline of day seven goes all the way from, from, from the seventh day. God rested on the Sabbath, okay, the seventh day. So also mankind will someday have fulfilled in his, his purpose of creation to have an eternity of rest. Wow. I did get home uh, about five, and I took a happy nappy. I went into a, I went into a coma. I went and had one of those good slobber naps, you know. And uh, I think I'm still trying to wake up from that. But isn't it wonderful when your body finally gets to rest? Do you know that you cannot go without rest? You can't survive without rest? That's why God makes you to rest 
those six to eight hours or whatever it is that your body takes, takes your body to sleep. I know somebody's thinking, preacher, that's more 10 to 12 <laughs> hours. But, uh, uh, and, and, and how you can't run and keep on running. You got to stop somewhere and rest. Because of sin, these bodies wear out. These bodies must be recharged. We're going to heaven someday where there is no night. We have a perfect body. Where we dip our feet and dangle them in the crystal sea. What a wonderful, wonderful... Could you just imagine waking up in glory and being perfectly rested? Man, that ought to be enough right there to say, uh, I'm ready to go to heaven. All right, so we'll try to work this. Garden of Eden. Here we go. We got the uh, fruit of the tree there. I don't know if it's the apple or not. And of course, man sinned right here. This started the ball rolling. Everything changed. And we've got this. We enter in this time from Adam to Noah. Uh, Dr. Hill puts that about 1,656 years you say, how do they get those? These are the guys that's really, really smart that go back and read the genealogies and so on beget so on and, 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 and Adam beget uh, uh, Cain and, and Abel and, and, and Seth and they beget and they beget and they beget and they beget and they said, uh, and they would say, and they lived three, uh, uh, so many score and so many years and there's a time, I think Methuselah was what, 960 some years old? And then, of course, that kept going down, down, down. And we get in our generation that somewhere between 70 and 80 is the time range. And that's all because of sin. But uh, so we got this thing. And so they're expelled from the Garden of Eden. A flaming sword is placed there, Genesis chapter 3, so that we never go back to Eden. We never go back. I have a book in my library. It's a health book. It says Back to Eden. And it's written years ago. And talking about the Bible diet and all that. I think it's probably a great book. But we're not going back to Eden, folks. We're going to glory. We're going to something a whole lot better than Eden ever thought to be. So we make our way. So we got from, from Adam to Noah. Uh, and then during that, there's a little note right here where Enoch is translated. And I thought that was pretty neat because today we read about Enoch, how Enoch walked with God and was not, for he was taken. And uh, the idea, I think one of the questions in the back was... Uh, uh, name some things, name some ways that you feel close to God. I think five words. How many found that hard to come up with those five words? Uh, one of my words was relief. When I really get into my prayer time with the Lord, I just feel like this just load is lifted off with me. I wrote another word down, recourse. In other words, when I'm with the Lord and I'm throwing out my petitions, God, through the Spirit of God, has given me ideas where I can change or re redirect some things. I feel like that I'm getting a reprieve with Him. I feel like I'm taking, my, I'm taking my petitions to the great judge like the lady in Luke 18. And so, uh, so we've got this, and Enoch is translated here. We're working our way down to Noah, and then right here, can you all see the little boat right here? We've got the flood here. Very significant. Whenever the flood is over, by the way, we believe the Bible teaches a worldwide flood. We also believe, I should back up and say, these are literal 24-hour days, not the gap theory. The Bible says evening, morning was the first day, evening, morning was the second day. Why does God put stuff like that in the Bible? He puts it in the Bible so we wouldn't come up with goofy things like, like people write about. And uh, so, so we've, got, uh, we've got the flood here, Genesis chapter 6 through 8. Then we have another timeline from Noah, and I know I'm standing right in your way, Brother Frazier, I'm sorry. But we've got the timeline starts, restarts here now from Noah to Abraham. From Noah to Abraham. 
And uh, this is the time of the nations here. Uh, Noah begins to have children. His children have children. And all builds right back up. Uh, Abraham comes out. We've got the Tower of Babel built right here, if you can see that right there. The Tower of Babel. Somebody tell me what happened at the Tower of Babel. They said, we're going to lift this thing up to God. God. Yeah, God took them out of that thing, confused the languages. What did he do with the people? He what? Scattered the people, okay? So now we have the making of many nations uh, here at the Tower of Babel. It's, it's a strange that Genesis chapter 11, you've got the Tower of Babel, and at the end of Genesis 11 and the beginning of Genesis 12, you've got Abraham comes on the scene. Abraham uh, was born uh, through the lineage of, of Noah, and we've got him coming down here. We've got Abraham on the scene. Now, right here, uh, let's, uh, let's come down and do a little work down in the basement here for just a while. While this timeline is going on, we've got, a, we've got the nations uh, come into play. And we have Israel now beginning to surface. Because of Abraham, the nation of Israel begins to surface. We'll get that in just a moment. Let's go down under here for just a minute. The nations then here are divided. You see how they're divided? So only two, two, uh, only, there, there's only one race. Can everybody say that biblically? There's one race. No, 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 you didn't say it. One race. Mankind in God's eyes. That'll help you with a lot of what's going on right now. One race. But God, at this point right here, said, because of sin, I'm going to raise me up a nation, and Israel is pulled out from the nations. You don't have to guess about that. Because all that's going on right now in the Middle East is all surrounded around that little nation. I just looked back there, and I saw what time it is. Now I'm moving on. Here we go. I've said too much. All right, so, so Israel's pulled out. And the nations are divided. You say, when are they going to come back together? Can we follow the timeline all the way over? Israel is saved right here in the tribulation period. See that? Conversion of Israel saved. I believe in one day they shall look on him who they pierced. And that's, listen, that's the 70th week of Daniel. That's what this is all about. I'm going to get that in just a moment. And the conversion of the nations. Now, uh, the 144,000, we talked about this in our, in our series there are 144,000 empowered Jewish preachers that's going to preach the gospel during his seven years. That's going to continue, and many people are going to come to Christ. And so you have the conversion of the nations, and everything comes back together right here in the millennial, millennial reign, the kingdom reign. What a wonderful time that's going to be. All right, here we go back. So we've got Israel. So we've got six, 656 years here, 430 years here. This is approximately 2,000 years. Now, if you do any adding, you're going to find right there that's a little... It's a little more than 4,000 years of history. Okay? If you add that all up. Some of you are doing that right now. Now you are. So during this, we're given the law. There's a little picture of the Ten Commandments, but there's 613 commandments in the Bible. We're given the law. Uh, the temple is built. Israel makes, a, the, God makes a big deal out of the temple. We have the tabernacle right here. And the uh, God made a permanent place, the temple, which will be rebuilt over here. And so... Uh, then during this, Israel blows it. And you have the 70-year captivity right here. For 70 years, Israel is off the scene. You have the, the Assyrian captivity where the 10 northern tribes are taken. They never come back. They're called the 10 lost tribes of Israel. They're not lost. God knows right where they are. In fact, 
I've got a little study back in my office where they have located just about every one of those, those groups of people. A lot of them came back uh, after World War II as Israel started to become a nation again. And uh, so a lot of them were found during that time. But, uh, but uh, the tribe of Judah uh, is right here. Seven years are hauled off into Babylonian captivity. They come back. These are the years of, of Ezra, Nehemiah, uh, Zerubbabel, those fellows. They rebuilt the temple. The young men shouted and the old men wept. We enter into now the last part of the Old Testament where Ezekiel, Daniel, and all those people write. We enter in what's called Daniel's 70 weeks. In Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, 70 weeks are determined against my people. If you check out, if you check out that, that's 77. A week is seven years. 77s, that's 490 years. And if you look at Daniel's prophecy, you'll find that only 283 of those have been fulfilled. The last week of Daniel, of the 70 weeks determined against Israel, has been pulled out because they didn't receive Christ. And that last week, if you can follow me all the way over here, again to the tribulation period, that last week, Daniel's 70 week, will be fulfilled there. I'll talk about that in just a minute. All right, here we are, 2,000 years of history. Jesus Christ comes down. This little line is overlapping right here. But then we have the incarnation of Christ coming down a little area right, area right there. And uh, the star of David. And then we have the cross of Christ. 33 and a half years later, the cross. A little abbreviation right here. We have three days in the grave. We've got the tomb right here. Jesus raised in the grave. So watch this era. He goes down in the grave for us suffers our hell, preaches to the, the people there uh, in paradise. He comes out of the grave three days later, Luke 24, 6 through 7. He walks on the earth for a space of uh, 50 days, and then boom, Acts chapter 1, we read it, he goes back, ascends back into heaven. All right? So we're all, everybody with me right now? Somebody say amen? Okay? So now Jesus, where's he at? He's in heaven. He's not falling in the, through the clouds. When he goes up to heaven, he sends the Holy Spirit back down, Acts chapter 2, and he indwells us now. Holy Spirit's always been present, but the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would come on and off people, and uh, as he did Samson and other people. And uh, so uh, he's always been present, always been active, but now how many of you thank God he lives inside of us? All right? So we're moving on. Pentecost occurs. Churches start to be planted we read about these in the book of Acts now, and, and these are mentioned uh, in the book of Revelation. The church at Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos. That's not Smyrna, Tennessee, by the way. Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, uh, Philadelphia, Laodicea. I like what Dr. Hill did right here. Uh, we've studied these before, but he, he, he agrees with me. Uh, these churches were local churches in John's day. They were literal churches that John was preaching to in Revelation chapter 1 through 3. But also, number three, they were periods of church history. You have the, the, the period of history of, of, of Ephesus. This one you'll understand all the way down to this open door here, the Philadelphian church, to the Laodicean church. That's the church age most Bible scholars believe we're living in today uh, because of the lukewarmness of our faith. So that's where we're at today. And, uh, but I like this right here. Number two, he said also these were types of churches or personalities of churches. If you go back and do a quick study, all these churches, the Spirit of God and Christ had something to say 
uh, positive about all of them except the Laodicean church. But he had something positive to say. He had a lot to say negative about them. And uh, I, I believe maybe the Philadelphia church maybe didn't say anything negative. But types of churches. Right now I'm saying that you can go somewhere and find a church. You can go to Revelation 1 through 3. And you can pretty much type that church's personality in that. Now, this is the age we're living. You say, preacher, you put, a, you put a date on these, all these back here. Why don't you have a date on these? Because this is the age of grace. This is the area that God is saying. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. This is a day that the Spirit of God is working. We've got the whole canon of Scripture. The Word of God is working. And the people of God are working. And the gospel is free. And anybody can come to Christ. And there's going to come a day when the last soul is saved. You and I will be out of here. You say, when's that preacher? I have no idea. You don't know. But we, can't, we don't know the day or the hour. But you and I have learned through this study that we can get really, really close to knowing when Christ shall return. Uh, at this time, the rapture, our loved ones that have gone on before us, resurrected from the grave, their bodies lie there. There's another timeline if I go back and show you this all the way back over here. If we go back over here. Physical death started in the Garden of Eden. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Wherefore is but one man sin entered in the world, and death by sin. So the death is passed upon what? All men, for that all have what? Sin. Hebrews chapter 2 confirms that. So you got the dead that's buried at sea. Uh, their bodies are burned. Uh, there's people they've never found. You say, does God know where they're at? How many would understand? God knows right where they're at. God is the God of the molecule. He's the God of the atom because God made all that. Over here, I'm getting ahead of myself, but the sea will uh, call back their dead. Death, death and hell will call back their dead, and they'll all be come up here for the great right there in judgment. All right, let's go back to church age right here. Church age, so we're living right here. You say, preacher, where do you think we're at? Well, we're at least right here. We're at least right here in the Laodicean age. How far over we are, how close to this we are, I don't know. But the rapture occurs, the dead in Christ rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together within the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. What's going to happen up there? Well, I think during the seven years, and Brother Hill agrees, that the judgment seat of Christ will occur right away. Uh, no one goes to hell from the judgment seat of Christ. The marriage supper of the Lamb happens as well, Revelation 19. That's all talked about in the Bible. And then uh, down here, while this is all going on, praise God, we're here, but down here in Daniel's 70th week, seven years of tribulation, here's what's going on. Boom. As soon as the rapture occurs, Antichrist is revealed to take care of all the chaos. He's going to put it back in order. Chaos is going to be surrounding little Israel. He's going to sign a peace treaty with it, peace treaty with them a peace treaty with Israel and it's supposed to last for seven years but boom Daniel talks about it Revelation talks about it halfway through he breaks that treaty it's intentional he's a liar Satan is a liar he's a treaty breaker and uh, and so he breaks that treaty and then uh, on that exact day I believe what, what is called the abomination of desolation which Daniel talked about, Ezekiel talked about, Matthew, Jesus talks about in Matthew 15, 24, 15, abomination of desolation, Antichrist comes down, the false prophet, they sacrifice a sow hog on the, 
on the altar of the temple, which, by the way, is rebuilt during its three and a half years. Interesting to know that right now, Orthodox Jews have everything in place to restart temple worship, all of it. They've got the ashes of the red heifer for the purification process. They spent many years trying to, trying to get a pure red heifer to do that. They've got all the temple instruments and all the articles. They've got everything ready to go. And they have made some attempts to charge the temple mount to restart this. But there's going to come a day that they're going to restart it. And Antichrist is going to lead it. And Israel's blind. They don't know who he is. And boy, he'll show them who he is because uh, uh, everything's going to get pretty close to back to peace. There's going to be a lot of people die during this first three and a half years. But then, boy, in the middle... That, that hog is sacrificed there, the abomination of desolation. And the last three and a half years is called great tribulation at the time of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah chapter 30. And so, boy, I'm going to tell you what, it all breaks loose here. And God is trying to bring Israel to him, and he does. We won't get into all that, but you've got the battle of Armageddon right there. And uh, then we have what's called the second coming of Christ, again, the coming of Christ in two parts, the rapture and the revelation. Say that with me. Ready? The rapture and the revelation. Seven years later, we're up here with Christ. It's broke loose down here. We're up here. Christ comes back in the second coming of Christ, Revelation 19, 11. We come back with him. We're with him. And uh, riding those white horses, he comes down the Mount of Olives. The Bible says, Zechariah, the Mount of Olives splits in two right here. And there's battles right there. Uh, Armageddon occurs. We've got the, the battle of Gog and Magog a little later on. And then he defeats and subdues the kingdom. He comes down to rule from David's throne in Jerusalem. And he rules right here for a thousand years, what's called the Millennial Kingdom. That's when you and I say, boom. This is the way it should have always been. You know, down deep inside of everybody, we know how it should be. We, we know the chaos on our planet right now shouldn't be the way it is. We know how it should be. Well, God's going to take care of that right here. Then at the end of that, Satan's loose for a while. And uh, then he is defeated in the great war against God right here. And he is, he is uh, cast in the lake of fire, which burns forever and ever and ever with the beast the false prophet, Antichrist, all down into Satan's trinity. And then this, this great white throne occurs right here. The dead, get this now, every person all the way back to Adam, every person that's ever been born will be judged. No one's going to get, the Bible says, the day's going to come that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to glory of the Father. How's that going to happen? Right there. I, I can't even fathom the size of this judgment. But in this judgment right here, no one goes to heaven. No one. Everyone in this judgment whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life were cast in the lake of fire which burns forever and ever. You and I, boom, eternity. The new heaven and the new earth. How long does that last? Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And listen to me, that's what makes getting saved so wonderful. You and I are saved, not just to go to heaven, but we're saved to eternal life. Say it with me. For God so loved the world, say it, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have. We've got a starting place. 
and then boom. We live forever. And on a sad note, and I'm finished, those who don't trust Christ, they live forever too. God gives them some type of body that allows them to burn in the flames of hell forever. You say, I don't think I believe that. Jesus taught more on hell than he did heaven because he didn't want anybody to go there. By the way, hell is prepared for the devil and his angels, the Bible says. And all that go there, they go there by choice. Let's bow our heads. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Thank you for listening. I really ran through that. But if you're here tonight, you're not sure that heaven's your home. You're in the best place you can be to come to the Lord. We just quoted one of the most popular verses in the Bible, John 3.16. Why is it like that? Why is it so well known? Because it tells us how we can go to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. It tells us how to go to heaven. We believe. For whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. The word perish there means spend eternity in hell. But of everlasting life. Let me see tonight, preacher. I remember the day that I got saved. I remember the day that I prayed and called on the name of Christ. Would you put your hand up real high? I remember that day. God bless you. Many hands raised. Thank you so much. What a wonderful day it's going to be when we see him face to face. If you could not raise your hand right there, maybe you could raise it here. I would not embarrass you. I would not call your name out. I wouldn't come to you. Right now, you say, preacher, I do not know for sure that I'm a Christian, but I want you to pray for me. If you just put your hand right up, right back down, I'll pray for you. I don't know for sure that I'm a Christian, but I want you to pray for me. Just right up, right back down. Let's stand together, please. In just a moment, they're going to sing a hymn of invitation. This altar is open. Maybe there's something you want to come and pray about. If you've not been saved, we'll have somebody standing right here at the end of the aisle. They'll take their Bible tonight and show you tonight how you could be a born-again Christian. If you've been saved, not been baptized, they'll work you through all of that. If you'd like to join our church, they'll help you with that. we just love for you to come. Tonight, maybe there's something else that you want to pray about. Maybe you have a loved one that needs the Lord. We just want you to come. Father, bless this invitation time. Speak to our hearts, please, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. You come. Would you do that?